Mic check, mic check. Where the f is my check? You now tuned in to do rags and boat shoes. This turned down. What's going on, everybody? It's your boy A Double, and you're now tuned in to episode 140 of Do Rags and Boat Shoes. Much love and respect to everybody out there. Sorry about the little hiatus and things like that, but hey, you got two episodes back to back. All right. Um, I apologize for my voice. Uh, it might sound a little bit different. It's just now coming back. I had to wait a few days. Uh, man, I was shouting and yelling, hooting and hollering at the uh, the Bud fight. And uh, so I lost my voice and it's uh, slowly coming back. Let's see if I make it through this whole last episode. Uh, nigga, guess what? I just watched goddamn Tales from the Hood Part 2. Yes, Tales from the Hood Part 2. Now, I don't remember when the first one came out, but I know I was little and, it, and we rented it from Blockbuster. I know that much. I tell you that much. I was little and I rented it from Blockbuster. So Part 2. All right, <laughs> nigga. Uh, it's up on Netflix. Uh, I think you can buy it too on digital download and shit like that. It came out, uh, I think, the first week of October. Uh, <clears throat> so a couple weeks back, and uh, and I just saw it on the on the new releases page. They finally put it up on the new releases page on Netflix. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, all the. Um, all the stories it's just same same it's not the same premise it's basically um they have a brother an older brother i forgot his name it ain't the same brother you know from the funeral home that played the devil but um it's an older brother and i forgot his name but he's been in a lot of black b movies and uh so the whole plot of it is this um there's some kind of patriot robot system and this guy uh, owns like these this huge corporation and he owns some prisons and he makes a robot and uh, he the, the artificial intelligence program needs to hear some stories or something like that about so-called criminals and uh, and then it'll process it uh, so it can work better to trap criminals and shit like that. It's supposed to replace police and uh, let people in uh, protect Americans, you know, so that's the whole jig of it. So that's how they set up the storytelling. So this older brother starts telling these stories in the first story. I'm going to just tell you all the first story. The other one, y'all got to watch this shit yourself. I wish I was high watching it, but um, <laughs> I wish I was going off an edible or a little joint or some shit. But it's still you can watch it sober and you still be like, what the fuck? But the first story is this uh this these two girls a black a black chick and a white chick they're not girls i think they're like college age so women so a couple of women uh a black woman and a white woman and uh they go to some uh some kind of um fucking museum some kind of uh, negro museum or something because the white girl her grandmama used to collect like these uh, pickaninny dolls or whatever and she used to call she called them 
Gollies or something like that, G-O-L-L-Ys. Uh, but it's just little characters, these black caricatures, uh, dolls. And she sees one at the museum and she wants to buy it really bad and all this other shit. And it's like in this glass uh, box and the guy's like, no, you can't have it and all this other shit. And what's next to it is one of them little slave puppets from part one from the first Tales from the Hood. Uh, he's in a glass uh He's in a glass box too And he gets to moving his head and shit But anyways So they go back At the end of the night When the museum is closed They break in there And uh <laughs> And they They uh They steal the uh Fucking um The uh The, the little uh Piccaninny uh Doll or whatever And The black girl is fucking The white girl's uh Brother and so she gets on like this slave post and she starts talking about whip me master and all this other shit. So the guy is, you know, he's playing along with it. And then all of a sudden the slave post falls on her and uh, she knocks the glass uh, box that has the doll in it out of her hand. And then lo and behold, the goddamn doll gets out and becomes full sized and it starts and it uh, kills the black woman first. And I'm like, that's kind of fucked up. Like, even though this is a racially charged movie, you, the sister still got to die first, even though she was a coon. But uh, so she dies at the hand. There's like this uh, coon chicken in like Sambo mouth thing uh that the doors are the teeth and so like impales her you know cuts her in half and so she's dead and then he uh puts the white boy in the chair and then he whips him until he ain't got no guts <laughs> or whatever <laughs> and uh, and then he's about to kill the white girl and the white girl is like putting that white woman magic on him she starts like rubbing his face calming him down and shit and next thing you know she fucking the doll <laughs> And so now she's trapped in the museum because the, the the museum owner he said I can't let you go and lo and behold this this white girl is fucking pregnant with all these piccaninny dolls and that's how she dies giving birth they just burst out her stomach I was like man what the fuck <laughs> like this is what the fuck I have to to look forward to. <laughs> But y'all make sure y'all check that out. That's the first story. I ain't gonna tell y'all. I think there's, what is there? I think there's like three more stories or whatever after that. <laughs> and it's about two hours, but that would be a good movie to put on. Like if y'all, if you, if any of my listeners throw like a little Halloween party, you know what I'm saying, for your people, you know, for your friends and shit. Don't let no kids watch it. But uh, for adults, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and it tries to be like socially conscious, but I feel like they try too hard. And uh, But it's just corny as fuck. But it's something to watch. Like if you have a little Halloween party and y'all drinking, you know, maybe y'all smoking a little bit or some shit like that. And you'll get a good fucking laugh out of it. Um, And I told y'all earlier today that, uh, you know, that I lost my voice and it's probably going to uh, sneak in and out of here. Um, I feel it leaving, but we're going to try to get through this episode. But I was at the Bud fight um and uh it was i think it was one of his um biggest tests i think because he was fighting somebody that was undefeated but i mean you just knew bud was gonna win it like um from the get-go uh you know me and the squad went and uh we had some damn good ass seats like i bought some resale tickets off of Ticketmaster, and our seats were pretty much uh underneath the tunnel you know they have two tunnels in um at the uh chi health center 
And I only went because they changed the name so I can start back going. Because I, I, like I told y'all before, years ago, a couple years back, I uh, boycotted the CenturyLink Center when, it, when they had that name. But now the uh, Creighton uh, Health Center uh, took over the name. They took over the rights to, uh, you know, name the arena. So now I can go back to Creighton Games and go back to concerts downtown. So I was excited about going back. So we were um, sitting right over the tunnel and we didn't even have to look up at the screen to uh, watch the fights because we could just look straight into the arena and I feel like we had seats even though our, our tickets were only like 60 bucks a piece um, I feel like we had better seats than those folks who were sitting in front row that had them $300 seats because it was like shit people are standing up in front of you and if you a short motherfucker you know what I'm saying you gonna be pissed like man sit, sit your tall ass down but anyway we had some amazing seats and it was like the first three seats, you know, next to the aisle. So if somebody had to get up and piss or grab a beer or grab something to eat, you know, we wouldn't, you know, going past all these people and shit like that. And that's that's always the loveliest place to sit, you know, in those kind of events. Um, but anyways, it was it was amazing to me because I thought the way people was talking shit online, like the Mexicans was talking shit, the Hispanic folks was talking shit online about Bud because what he said and I and he shouldn't have said it. But um, it was just one of those heated a moment things. And it, it was it was very bigoted of what he said. Um, you know, the guy was talking shit to him and he went to go watch him like train or some shit like that. And the guy was talking shit and he was talking shit back to him. And he said something like, I'll knock all the burritos up out of you or some shit like that. And I'm like, That's fucked up to say that. But it's the heat of the moment. But you really shouldn't say nothing like that. But on the flip side, the little Mexican dude, uh, Benavidez, he was... Um, you know, he was talking about he was going to uh, send all of his family to the dentist. They all got fucked up teeth. And then he called his girlfriend, some kind of uh, his baby mama, some kind of fat ass. So I, I felt where Bud was coming from. But still, you don't want to alienate, you, 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 you know, your, your Mexican supporters because little Mexico rocks with Bud tough. And uh, when I got there, you know, I was letting my folks know. I'm like, man, we might have to knock some motherfuckers out, you know, if it be with some shits. Because we thought just how much people was talking shit online, especially on Instagram about Bud. We thought that, you know, it was going to be a bunch of, you know, Mexican cats there that was just going to be with the shits trying to start shit with black folks. And I was just like, man, I'd knock a motherfucker out. I'd clear out a whole fucking room if I have to. But um, we got there and it was the total opposite, man. You seen Little Mexico showed up and they all was in they um they TBC shirts, you know, they Terrence Bud Crawford shirts, you know, uh, with the logo on it. Still was supporting him and everything like that. So that was dope to see that, cause this dude, the Benavidez cat, like he represents Mexico, even though he fights out of Arizona, like he represents his home country. You know what I'm saying to the fullest. But it was just dope, cause I was just like, like I got in there. Like, I got there before the squad got there, and I was just like, all right, I'm like, you fucking serious? And it was just, man, it was just, it was Hispanic women, men, kids, and they all had on their little, they, they, uh, they TBC hoodies, TBC shirts, TBC beanies, you know, hats and shit like that, and, you know, rooting for Crawford and shit like that, so... Um, hopefully it's a lesson learned from the brother, you know, not to alienate, you know, some of the people that support him, you know what I'm saying, because it was wild to see them cheer for Bud against somebody from their own home country, and we call South Olo Mexico because that's pretty much the majority of the population in uh, Southeast Omaha, like the whole strip 
whole area, you know, South 24th Street is all, you know, Mexican restaurants, uh, Hispanic people, and so we just call it Little Mexico. So this is nothing bigoted or racist, but it was just dope to see that. And the fight was amazing. Uh, Bud got that knockout in the 12th round. Like, um, Bud came out strong. He was strong the whole fucking, uh, whole fucking match. And the guy was just real stiff. I don't know what was wrong with him, but he just kept on posting shit on Instagram. And then after he got knocked out, I was thinking to myself, like, he should have just stayed in the gym and stayed off social media because he was just talking shit the whole time. You know, on social media, just just running off at the mouth, and I'm like, you know, dog, I know you. It's good to be confident, but you need to stay up off social media and just, you know, stick to watching film. You know what I'm saying? Work on some counter punches and shit like that. But he just looks stiff in the ring. You know, Bud would hit him with a, you know, a little three, four hit combo back up, and then he would just like push it, put his arms out like that didn't even hurt him and shit like that. And at 12th round, like I say in the, you know towards the, the ninth round you knew bud was gonna end him because it, it the guy was i don't know i think he was getting tired or something but he wasn't moving that much but you know there was a few times bud had him on the ropes and we wanted to end him you know the crowd started cheering like you know whoop his ass and end him like that but it, it seemed like he was trying to bait bud into the to him backing up to them ropes but um anyways you know in that 12th round man he just caught him slipping boy he caught him bud caught him with this uppercut and it just took his legs up out of him he got up you know ref hit him with a seven count and uh you know ref let him go he said i can still fight and then it just showed that he couldn't defend himself because hey, man you seen the sweat popping off his head when bud was fucking his face up ref had to step in and was like nah you can't defend yourself that's it that's it that's it you know that's a, it's a wrap and then we had uh some undercard fights that was pretty fire too um there was a cat uh, who won um, a silver medal at the Rio Olympics, uh, Shakur Stevens, uh, or Stevenson, I can't remember his brother's last name, but he was fighting, and this was only his ninth match, I believe, and he was like 8-0 before, and this was going to be his first real test, he was the fight right before Bud, and uh, he was supposed to be fighting this veteran cat that was like 21-2, who was nice with it, and uh, man, Shakur just made him look like a fucking fool, like he first round knockout with like a minute to go like i saw that knockout like i seen that just his head just snap it just looked like he got whiplash he got whipped hit so hard i was like god i ain't seen a knockout like that ever in person not even in a street fight like it's just it, i was brutal boy i just felt for his neck because it just like like his whole head did an exorcist i was like the whole crowd whole role we was in it was like shit but um Shout out to that brother Shakur Stevenson because he he's he's gonna be he gonna be a problem if he if he stays with it. I mean he, uh, that guy looks very promising and talented. But let me uh, quit running off at the mouth. So you know what was crazy? We got some fucking snow. It's the second week of October and we got some fucking snow. That's what fucked me up. Like that Saturday, I took the weekend off just so I could re recover because I thought I was going to be out super late, but I wasn't. And uh, so that Sunday, and I'm glad I did took that day off because uh, Sunday we just got snow. It was just like, man, what the fuck? Like that, that just pissed me smooth the fuck off. It really did. It really did. So a bunch of people lost power. Uh, I think today, 
I think they got, uh, or last night, or no, this morning, I think everybody should have power, but it was a bunch of people on Facebook talking about they didn't have power. There were some people who was like, fuck it, I'm going to a hotel uh, because they lost power on Saturday. And that shit, some of these people's power didn't get restored until, you know, late Monday. You know what I'm saying? And then uh, I think at the Monday night news, they were talking about it still was about 800 people who didn't have power. And that was because, you know, it was such a heavy snow and, you know, snow mixing with, uh, you know, leaves still being up on the trees. Leaves ain't even started falling like that yet. So it just made heavy uh, branches and, you know, the trees can't handle that. So they start snapping and falling on power lines and things like that. So, yeah, people, people were sleeping in their cars to stay warm, which is fucked up. Um, people were going to hotels and going to friends and family's houses and things like that. And, um, it says about 30,000 people who lost power or something like that, but it wasn't as bad as the storm in 97. I remember that storm in 97. That shit stuck, sucked. We was out of school for like a week, week and a half or some shit like that. Because most, because it was pretty much, it was over half the city didn't have uh, power at all. But I remember where we lived at, we lived right behind, uh, um, elementary school you live right behind a uh, king elementary and shit our power was on within a few hours though and so my uncle who was only who's only five years older than me he was in um at that time he was in high school so he was staying with us because there wasn't he said man he's like man i'll go home it'd be light a little bit and he was like he was like i do my homework and then i'll just go to sleep he was like that's all you could do and um but somehow uh, they had a gas, my, my grandmama had a gas stove, so that's how he kept warm. But then he just started staying with us, just getting off the city bus and staying with us and shit like that, which was cool. But uh, they said that this was, they learned a lot from that storm. They learned a lot from that storm to, um, you know, to prevent problems what happened this time. But I'm like, still, motherfuckers was out, was out power for two days. That shit sucks. Then they try to tell you that global warming don't exist. Now, I know that shit, you know, we had a bad storm back in October of, you know, 1997, you know, 20 years ago, 21 years ago or whatever. But this shit ain't right. And now today it's a fucking Tuesday where I'm recording. It's fucking 67 degrees. Just weird as shit. Like, that's what is crazy about living in the Midwest. You know what I'm saying? One day it'll be fucking, you know, yesterday I think the high was like 30 and then today it's like 67 it's just like what the flying fuck but we're just seeing more and more of this happen um you know more rapidly but i guess i'll get started on that summer jam screen uh you, you seen what happened with that good old uh fire festival y'all remember that with ja rule was scamming folks him and that white boy uh what's that white cat name uh billy mcfarland uh man he he was sentenced i don't know how ja rule got up out of it but um, and it was basically they flew people down to the Caribbean or something like that, and uh, you know they were promising all these acts of these people that was gonna show up, and they had people paying like thousands of dollars for tickets and shit like that, and people got down there and there was like a couple of tents, and they had them folks eating cheese sandwiches and shit, and uh, and then they couldn't drink the liquor or something like that, and they was talking about it was all you could drink liquor and shit like that, none of the acts showed up, people kept dropping out. But it beforehand, they had all these celebrities on Instagram talking about, yeah, come on down to the fire festival. We gonna be here, blah, blah, blah. And people were like, he was scamming rich folks. That's why the fuck they got him about the paint. But that uh, Billy McFarlane cat, he got sentenced to six years in prison for multiple counts of fraud. And um, that that is crazy. 
That is crazy. And he's only 26. Um, that shit is crazy. That is wild. But yeah, they got him up out the paint for fraud. But that was only because he frauded some some uh, rich folks. If he would have frauded some poor folks or some shit like that, they would have hit him with community service. Now, I guarantee you, community service. Um, shit. That is crazy. That is fucking wild. And I wonder why it took so long for them to, uh, you know, take them to trial and shit like that. But anyways, uh, yeah, so my man got six years in prison. And we'll see if he be out scamming more folks. Um, did y'all see that video of that uh, one white lady that was following that brother in that apartment? It's been going around. It was down in St. Louis. Um... I don't know why they didn't say this woman's name because you, you can't find this woman's name anywhere. I don't know if you can or not. Um, but it was a video. This brother was trying to go into his loft and this white woman just kept on following him, trying to ask where he lived at and shit like that. And it looked like on the low, she was trying to get that dick up out of him too because she was just she just kept on following him in like a creepy way. You know what I'm saying? Like she, she wanted something up out of him. It, it was like she wanted to block him up out of there but then at the same time she would you know it's, it just seemed weird she was giving off a very odd energy but what's crazy is this woman worked for a, a realty company called Tribeca STL and it's a minority owned company so somehow people found her employer and they got that woman about the paint uh, the, the company name is Tribeca Luxury Apartments St. Louis and uh, the video is just real weird. If y'all go watch that video, like it's up on Atlanta Blackstar, and I'll have the link um, in the show notes as always. But man, if y'all just watch them clips, it just seemed like she's trying to choose up a little bit. Like she's giving off a weird vibe. Like I don't want this this Negro here, but he's kind of dangerous, and that's kind of sexy to me. Like nobody's talking about that. She's just giving off this weird fucking energy. Like she's kind of attracted to him. And she's not scared, you know what I'm saying? She's just trying to, like, choose up and see where he lives at so it could be on some some goddamn gutter sex type shit, if that makes sense. I don't know. Maybe that's me just reading into it too much, but that's what I got from the video. But, uh, yeah, she got fired. They got that woman up out the paint. That don't make no sense, though. Oh, man. Let me see here. Um, what else can we talk about on that good old Summer Jam screen? Uh, let's talk about Turkey. Not, not gobble gobble turkey but the actual country okay so um president um what's his name taip erdogan um is basically he's trying to hit the uh, u.s with a middle finger so there's a new uh u.s embassy being built and um he said fuck it we gonna name the uh the uh the street that is being built on malcolm x avenue that's what he said he gonna we gonna name it malcolm x avenue Okay, originally, um, the uh, city was going to name the street Olive Branch. <clears throat> okay, that's what they're going to uh, call the street. Um, but right now, it looks like because um, there's some kind of rift going on. <clears throat> Excuse me, I mean, this voice is, is trying to stay here. So it looks like there's some sort of rift. You know, with the Cheeto in chief in Turkey, and what's going on that could include uh, what's happening over there in Syria. But uh, that's why they're naming it this street. Now, I'm not mad at it. I'm not mad at it at all. Like, they trying to be cute and, uh, you know, throw like this big middle finger to the uh, American establishment. But I love it. I'm not mad at Malcolm X Avenue. I'm not mad at it at all. 
You know what I'm saying? They should have put his real name up there. <clears throat> you know, his later Muslim name. But, you know, fuck it. You know, I'm not mad at it. I know they trying to be cute and shit like that. But at the same time, you know, let that shit rock. You know, I'm not mad at it. Go ahead and be spiteful and do that. I'm Shit, I'm very proud of Brother Malcolm. You know, and all that he accomplished and the truth that he was uh, speaking out there. You know, even though this, uh, you know, these, these Turkish folks is trying to be a little bit cute and shit like that and trying to throw a middle finger, but shit, nah, I wouldn't be mad pulling up to Malcolm X Avenue. Shit, I'll pull up to the U.S. Embassy, you know, and Malcolm X Avenue, take some photos in front of that shit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but I think that's pretty much um, all I got to say on uh, that good old Summer Jam screen. You know, kind of quick, easy. I know I had a couple of stories for y'all, but I think y'all enjoy them. Um, but anyway, Hove, you gonna pull up on that good old uh, Malcolm X uh, Avenue once it's built with the U.S. Embassy? Because I know y'all be traveling. Holla at them. Don't be the next get tested on that Summer Jam screen. I smoke rocks. I smoke rocks. All right, thank you so much, Tyrone Biggums, for that lovely intro of selling hope like dope. <clears throat> so selling hope like dope uh we got to give it to our uh fellow uh red man our native americans our, our uh, indians whatever you want to call them uh we have to give it to them uh we seen yesterday um elizabeth warren uh released her dna results uh was talking about um you know that she's cherokee and all this other shit and i know people were making fun of her about it um but here is my issue, and this is why I say it's help selling hope like dope. Uh, you know, I, I started looking at the uh, the uh, the red folks, the uh, Native Americans, the Indians, uh, Twitter, and they were just you know shitting on uh, Elizabeth Warren, just going off on her and shit like that. And I'm and here's my here's my issue is um, how are you going off on her by showing her uh, DNA results, but not recognizing their history of like blood quantum tests. That's what I'm trying to figure out. You know, they kept Seminoles or uh, mixed Indian and black people from getting those benefits. Uh, help me out with that. That's what I'm trying to figure out. Because all I see on social media is it's not about blood. It's your connection to the earth or the work you do in the native community. It's about kinship ties, etc. That's what makes you an Indian, right? You know, what makes you a part of the tribe. Okay, now if y'all don't know what a blood quantum is, it's measuring how much Indian blood a person has. So let me break this down for you. So how did they know how much a person has? Well, they compared your blood uh, to the original enrollees from the census rolls or the Dawes rolls. And that wasn't nothing but a government official going out to different reservations or Indian territories and just going off looks and considering them full-blooded natives. So they could be half white and Native American Oh. Okay, you're you're full-blooded Indian. Let me write your name down, and then it's all your descendants. That's how you get on those rolls, right? So, uh, black folks, you know, who are black and native, they just marked them as black. Again, black folks getting the short end of the stick. Now, then, that's how you get into these five-dollar Indians. I know y'all heard this term a million times, but that's where Elizabeth Warren's blood comes in. So, once the federal government started handing out land and money to Native Americans, uh, white folks would give these officials who was working for the Dawes rolls and these census rolls. Um, they would give them, you know, anywhere between, you know, two and five dollars to put their name down on that rolls. Like, yeah, just go ahead and mark me down on there. You know, and they would just go ahead and do it. So that's why today you got white folks that look like half the cast of the office talking about they 156th Cherokee and all this other shit. 
but the one-drop rule for black blood and the so-called blood quantum test kept black natives out of the loop for benefits and land. And here's a quote from the NPR article about blood quantum. Let me read this verbatim for y'all. It says, but a great example for how to understand this problem in real life is that there is a history of freedmen who are black individuals who were living as fully incorporated members of Indian tribes. And when these original roles were taken, oftentimes these freedmen were not included. Even those uh, individuals who may be of mixed heritage, black and Indian, because of their black appearance, they were listed on a separate role. And today, the ramification is that they do not have that original enrollee in their past. They do not have enough blood quantum and therefore oftentimes cannot be extended tribal memberships. Okay. Now, former President Obama, he gave billions of dollars to tribal nations throughout his presidency because they donated millions of dollars to his campaigns to help him get elected and reelected. Um, the federal government even settled a billion dollar lawsuit against them, against the government, for fucking up land and property of tribes. Some of these violations were almost 100 years old, but black folks can't sue for reparations. This is crazy, right? Uh, it's too so far. It's too far gone. It's just, it happened so long ago. And if you remember, in the stimulus package of 2009, tribes received about three billion dollars. Uh, Barack did so much for Indian tribes. They even dubbed him Barack Black Eagle, and that was by the Crow Nation. That was his Indian name, Barack Black Eagle. So let's go check. Um, let's so let's go back to the um, the blood quantum test. Now, remember back in 2011, I don't know if y'all followed this, but there was an NPR story that came out and there was a couple of other sites that was talking about this. Uh, Cherokee Nation, they faced some scrutiny for kicking out black members of the tribe. And these were also freedmen. So these were descendants of slaves that was owned by rich Cherokees. But once that uh, trail of tears happened, you know what I'm saying? They got all them. They didn't give a fuck if he was rich or whatever. They was getting them Indians about the paint. And them black folks, you know, were still going with their former uh, Cherokee owners. So here's a quote from one of the tribal council members back in 2011. Uh, this woman uh, is named Karen Watts. Kara Cowan Watts. She said, this is not a club. You can't just claim to be Cherokee and show up and be included. You see what I'm saying? So she says this back in 2011. And you look at today people you know the red man twitter the indian twitter uh you know what i'm saying the native american twitter talking about us about kinship ties and the works you do in the community and your connection to the earth is not about blood there are literal tweets that say this you know but once it comes to actually being a member of the tribe and getting some of them benefits and that money oh this ain't a club you know what i'm saying and the black freedmen you know who got kicked out they were saying it was a it was pretendians, a.k.a. five dollar Indians, you know, that snaked their way to the head of the Cherokee Nation. You know, they passed for white all their lives, you know, in their regular lives that are being the discriminatory ones towards them. You know, they got them up out the paint and uh, they had a vote. And, uh, you know, the majority of them Indians them Cherokee Indians was like, yeah, get them niggas the fuck up out of here. So that's fucked up. And then this article is talking about, you know, blood quantum. So how are y'all mad at a white woman for showing her DNA results when most of the tribes require blood quantum when it comes to blacks? And y'all looking real funny in the light, looking very funny. And never forget that 10% of the population that was on the Trail of Tears was black. 
and then was uh you know the freedmen's some runaways and some folks that was intermarried into those tribes so i'm just saying you know i'm not gonna have elizabeth warren up on that summer jam screen when y'all do the same bullshit to black folks to black indians mixed race indians y'all looking very funny in the light and y'all out here selling hope like dope don't come over here with that bullshit this portion of do rags and boat shoes has been brought to you by the letter l as in hey yo my guy my hands are full give me a hand here can you hold this l all right so moving on to holding this l we have to give it to the fda the food and uh drug administration so um right now you know that we are in an epidemic right now uh with these opioids right so heroin overdose fentanyl carfentanyl um prescription drugs that contain opioids like vicodin and shit like that and um you know codeine so the fda is gearing up to green light a new opioid that's stronger than fentanyl it's called desuvia d-s-u-v-i-a it goes it's like a pill form that goes beneath the tongue and it dissolves not only is it stronger than fentanyl the article i just read said it is 500 times stronger than morphine so the fda committee voted 10 to 3 to move it on to the next step for approval uh acerlex Acel, accelerex uh the manufacturer said accelerex so it's a-c-e-l-r-x accelerex uh the manufacturer said and i quote we believe Desuvia represents an important non-invasive acute pain management option with potential to significantly significantly uh, improve the current standard of care. The way this drug works is going to devastate white America. I'm telling you that right now, and I'll tell you why. First off, we're already in the opioid crisis, you know, that's sweeping across white America. Um, it looks like it ain't slowing down soon and the government ain't doing too much about it. They recognize it. Uh, they got, you know, more um, methadone clinics and shit like that going out. Um, and um, they're doing very little about it because it's poor white folks that's being fucked up. You know, the middle, upper middle class and upper class folks, they can actually pay for treatments and things like that. But they, you know, the government really don't give two fucks about poor white folks. They don't. They don't. Uh, they just want their vote. Um, so the second reason, you know, is doctors and hospitals are always subject to dealing with pharmaceutical reps who push these drugs as cures instead of treatments. You know what I'm saying? So you, uh, a pharmaceutical rep makes amazing money amazing money so if y'all looking for a quick hustle y'all need to become a pharmaceutical rep because that ain't nothing but a legalized drug dealer that's all that is um another reason is uh you know besides those pressures we're already in an opioid crisis uh doctors and hospitals you know they're dealing with pharmaceutical reps pressuring them to use this drug and there's always some kind of behind the, the back kickback you know one hand wash the other both of them wash the face um you know another reason doctors can't measure pain so you can go into the hospital and say you know if you're a junkie you know a, a functioning junkie you know saying i'm having back pain and make some faces and noise and next thing you know you have a prescription for some sort of opioid like vicodin right you'll have you have some shit like that and that's that's pretty much that's what we're seeing right now like when i got into my uh car accident i was on a city bus uh shit about five six years ago and um 
uh, this lady was driving crazy and she like abruptly stopped in front of the bus. My knee hit the uh, the bar and uh, man, my shit looked like you know one of them rolls of hamburger meat, like the edge of it just swole swole up with fluid. And still to the, I developed arthritis in my knee, so I had to go through um, fucking um, physical therapy and you know I raked up tens of thousands of dollars in bills, but you know the um, the bus company paid for it. And shit like that but um the doctors they kept on trying to prescribe me uh pain meds and i was just like no nah, i'm cool on that you know i'd rather just do physical therapy that's like well you go, you're gonna you're gonna have to do physical therapy but on top of that you're gonna have to you know take some pain meds and man i, I never did take them i just shit i just threw them away because i just you know it's you don't feel good on opioids opioids basically block out the pain you don't feel shit like so like you could be on like a couple of Vicodin and somebody could slap the shit out of you and you don't feel it like it just numbs you just all the way and it's a terrible feeling like you don't feel anything like how you wiggle your fingers and your toes and shit like you just don't feel I was like fuck this I man, they, uh, they had me take it was I was supposed to take them pills so many times a day and my doctor was like well you're not filling your prescriptions I'm like you know I'm keeping 100 with you I don't want these shits you know I don't want it I don't like how they make me feel you know and shit like that so I can understand how somebody could get hooked like that um and my doctor was also telling me that you know they really can't measure pain you know that's why they have that bullshit ass chart you know with the smiley faces to the grumpy face from like one through ten um because there's no way there's no measurement no matter what you know to measure somebody's physical pain what they're going through so you can go in there and bullshit and just say that you your back hurt or your wrist hurts real bad and you know you're making some ah ah you know making all these faces and shit like that the only thing they can do is just check for x-rays and look at you know see if there's a you know a, a cat scan see if there's torn ligaments or you broke a bone or something or fractured something that's all that they, they can do but you know, another reason is, you know, companies run our government and they don't give a damn about substance abuse victims. They don't. They don't. You know, our government is trying to be empathetic because these abusers, you know, look like the people that they can relate to compared to the crack epidemic and the heroin epidemic in the 70s. You know, but at the same time, it's one of those things where, you know, big money always going to win over people. And we seeing that right now. We've been seeing that for decades. And number five, this is the big one. Uh... You know, doctors don't believe black folks when we say that we're in pain. They don't believe it at all. So there's that bias there. You know, our government. Um, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, many articles, you know, and studies have come out detailing uh, how doctors, uh, how a doctor's prejudice leads to black suffering and death. You know, you have everything from black women, uh, pregnant black women not receiving the correct care that can lead to death. And uh, there was a study that showed the medical students, you know, they were believing that blacks have less sensitive nerve endings and that um, our blood co coagulates uh, faster. So these beliefs make doctors prescribe stronger pain meds to white patients. And, you know, we can't forget in America that we don't look at being addicted to prescription drugs the same way we look at people being addicted to street drugs like meth, crack, uh, crack cocaine and um, heroin. And I'm telling you, if this gets approved, uh, this um, Desuvia drug, you know, this will be a devastating blow to white America. You know, if, if, if the FDA moves forward in, in approving this drug. So, I mean, I think that they will approve the drug. 
um, just because of they looking at the sales of other opioids is going on. And this is something that's like so fucking strong. Um, but the FDA, y'all really got to hold this L because they do not have the American people um, interest at heart. They really don't. You win. Perfect. All right. So moving on to not all heroes wear capes that came in fast as fuck. I wasn't even ready. <laughs> uh, so moving on to not all heroes wear capes. Uh, we have to give it to Sears. It looks like Sears is, uh, you know, looking to close, I think, 150 more stores. Um, and they're trying to survive by filing for bankruptcy uh, with the stores that they do have left. So we'll see what happens. But I have to give it to them because I came across a uh, Twitter thread from a guy named Lewis Hyman. He's a um, associate professor of history um, who uh, focuses on capitalism. And uh, he made a great Twitter thread that I did not know about Sears. So let me just go ahead and read it for y'all. Um, it starts off, it says, in my history of consumption class, I teach about Sears. Uh, but what most people don't know is just how radical the catalog was in the era of uh, Jim Crow. He said every time a black southerner went to the local store, they were confronted with forced uh, deference to white customers who would be served first. And the store would be filled with racist characters of black people in an effort to sell to white people. Um, the stores were not self-service, so the black customers would have to wait and then would have to ask the proprietor to give them goods, often on credit because of sharecropping. Um, the landlord often owned the store in every way, shopping reinforced hierarchy until Sears. Um, the catalog undid the power of the storekeeper and by extension, the landlord. So black families could buy without permission, without waiting, without being watched with national cheap prices. And Southern storekeepers, they fought back. They organized catalog bonfires in the street. Uh, these general stores often, <clears throat> often uh, doubled as post offices. God damn, it was calling me. Uh, often uh, doubled as post offices. The owners uh, would refuse to sell stamps to black people or money orders. Uh, to use the catalog services. Um, let's see, it happened enough that Sears instructed customers to evade the, the, to evade the uh, postmaster and directly speak to the mail carrier. And then he uh, posted a picture and it says, uh, just give the letter and the money to the mail carrier and he will get the money order at the post office and mail it in the letter for you. All right, in an attempt to undermine Sears, rumors spread that Sears was black to get white customers to stop buying from them. Um, sold by mail, these fellas, and I quote, these fellows could not afford to show their faces as retailers. So Sears, in turn, published photos to prove he was white. Uh, these rumors didn't affect sales, but uh, show how race and commerce connected in the, the countryside and how dangerous it was to the local order to white supremacy to have national markets. So as we think about Sears today, let's think about how retail is not just about buying things, but part of a larger system of power. Every act of power contains the opportunity and the means of resistance. I thought that was pretty dope. I did not know all that about Sears. And that's crazy how the white folks went to the streets and was burning the catalogs, the Sears catalogs, because black folks was uh, buying directly from Sears and how they stopped, tried to stop them by refusing to sell black folks money orders and to 
uh, mail their letters and shit like that, their catalog orders. That is wild. So shout out to Sears. I know back in the day, my grandmama, she always went there to buy her uh, appliances and things like that on her Sears credit card. And she would, you know, always buy us, um, you know, video games from there and then she would buy you know like uh clothes like back to school clothes for us from sears she stood by sears so i think that might be a reason because my grandmama grew up in the jim crow south so that i think that might be a reason that she fucked with sears so tough so shout out to sears not all heroes wear capes you know some of them ain't ashamed to take black folks money all right so moving on to the last segment of the show health over wealth you know what i say without your health you cannot enjoy your wealth so we're living in some very political times. We got the midterm elections coming up, uh, you know, affecting this whole country. And uh, I see people still are on the fence about voting. So I'm going to give you a quote from our brother, Stokely Carmichael, a.k.a. Kwame. Um, this quote um, says, I knew that I could vote and that that wasn't a privilege. It was my right. Every time I tried, I was shot, killed or jailed, beaten or economically deprived. That's just putting it out there for you. Um, I know a lot of times we uh, we feel like our votes do not matter. But if they didn't matter, um, you know, certain parts of uh, local government wouldn't be working so hard to sh- shut down voting uh, poll locations. Um, they wouldn't be out here with the gerrymandering bullshit. And they're going to try that again. And um, what is that? Probably 2020 when the census comes out as far as redrawing districts and things like that to make your vote ineffective and things of that sort so you really have to be very political and um you know get like-minded people on the same page with you um to vote on the same vote the same way that you do you really do you have to um we really do have to start and we always say this too late too little too late um, that we need to start voting for people who have our interests at heart. Um, we really have to start lobbying and hollering at these politicians, you know, like uh, a year in advance. We really do. We have to stop saying that we need to um, get people, you know, only way that people are going to get our votes if they do something for us. Well, we have to get and holler at these people, you know, once we get our numbers together. You know, once we have enough people together and hold our own city halls and um, our own speeches and things like that, our own debates about what they're going to do for our communities. So we really have to, you know, think long term and not reactionary. You know what I'm saying? But right now, um, vote. I don't care how you vote, but vote with vote for somebody whose interests align with yours. Um, That's what it boils down to. That's what it really boils down to. And moving forward, we really need to be on the same page as far as putting a super PAC together and finding finding someone and finding the right candidate, no matter if they're Republican or Democrat, that's going to basically push our issues. Because if you go back and listen to Selling Hope Like Dope, uh, those Cherokee tribes and other Indian tribes gave millions of dollars to uh, to. Um, uh, former President Barack Obama's campaigns for elections and re-election and this man went out of his way to give them billions of dollars for schools, for health care, for infrastructure, just out of his way. Even the 2009 uh, bailout included $3 billion to Indian nations. And that's wild, ain't it? 
So that's what we have to do. We have to really pull our money together and put it on the table like, hey, this is what you'll get and you'll get our votes if you can do this, this, and this for us. So we really have to stop being politically immature. Um, but that's been episode 140 of Do Rags and Boat Shoes. Nothing but love and respect for y'all. And I'm, I'm surprised my voice didn't give out all the way. So I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting stronger. I got to stop hooping and hollering. But, you know, I got to rock with the champ. Um, but as always, I will see y'all next week. And that's a promise. And you know what? I'm sorry. Stay tuned for another G-Code. Welcome to the G-Code. <laughs> All right, thank you so much, Tyrone Biggums and myself for that lovely G-Code intro. So, this uh, G-Code uh, lesson, G-Code, Gangsta's Code, Guy Code, Gentleman's Code, is uh, for, my le- for my fellas out here. Um, <clears throat> and it goes like this. Teach a woman something that you have expertise in and she will never forget you. Also known as being interesting. All right. So in this dating uh, game, it's, I know it's pretty savage out there. You can pretty much um, pull, uh, you know, dates out of thin air via Facebook, uh, Tinder, all other kind of dating sites, plenty of fish, uh, you know, Instagram. If she like three of your pictures right away, that means you need to hop in her DMs and all this other shit. But, you know, you need to be interesting. You really do. Right. You know, um, as far as like first dates goes and uh, first impressions and things like that, just getting to know a woman, you have to be interesting. You just can't be some mush mouth ass nigga that just talk about how you want to hit that and how you just want to sit up and smoke with her and do shit like that. So a dope first date idea is something like cooking together. <clears throat> you know what I'm saying? Maybe a second day could be cooking together back at your place because you got to make sure she ain't setting you up to get robbed or some shit like that. Because uh, we know it's, it's, it's hard out here for a pimp, right? But it's, that's a dope idea, like teaching her a recipe or something to that extent. Uh, you know, if that first date is something you don't want to spend over $20 for, you always do like a coffee date, right? So you go to Starbucks and, you know, get some coffee and, uh, you know, a latte or a frap or whatever. And y'all just talk right but your mouthpiece got to be tight and you have to you know um teach her something about something that you have expertise in like shit if he was a goddamn uh, dump truck driver like i was you know doing trash for the city you know just tell her the game of how like did you know a dump truck you know a trash truck can actually hold 12 to 16 tons of garbage before i have to go dump it out that holds a lot of weight that's the equivalent of eight vehicles right there compacted in the back of my truck you know, it's just a little known fact like that. And she gonna laugh in your face. It's cute. It's funny, right? It's a dumb, witty fact. But it's how you say it. And, you know, you gotta look charming doing that. You know what I'm saying? You just can't be, uh, 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 uh. You don't wanna be, uh, and an um, and shit like that. And just being mush-mouthed and blank-minded. You know what I'm saying? So your mouthpiece has to be very tight. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, some other things you could do is, like, current events are always huge you know read up on current events and break down some game now this doesn't apply because sometimes you know uh it could be a woman that just want to smoke and have her back blown out you know if you know it, if that's what it is that's what it is you know what i'm saying because a lot of times these days these women out here they just want to you know have a good time get their back blown out and you know uh forget about you and go on and live their life a lot of these women out here be moving like fellas now you just got to differentiate you got to know what you're dealing with fellas all right but if this somebody who you want to, you know, 
date and just kind of move forward and have her on your hip you know what i'm saying you just gotta you know teach her some things and become interesting um like i said uh, current events are always huge uh for my college kids out there my young boys in college you know talk about a, a theory you know that you've been studying in women's philosophy you know you got the class you're already doing the homework you might as well learn more about it or even talk about it you know but don't be boring don't be boring insert some jokes here and there and uh you know just you know speak with some enthusiasm and uh just be smooth too i know i'm giving a lot to you but like i said um you know all of these are just ways to be interesting to her you know even me being married and things like that i always try to throw little facts and things like that at my wife and talk about different current events like did you know that blah 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 and you know all this other shit like especially when i'm researching a podcast it forces me to read and learn and to uh you know just expand my mind and look at other points of views and you know learn things that i didn't know and so i always like to share that knowledge with her and um and she really appreciates that and it, it always leads to deeper conversations and you know and uh and i said in the last gco learn how to fucking listen too you know what i'm saying so on that first date you know you're teaching her some things you know that you have expertise is and then she starts throwing things back at you that you learn it from her and then you know start learning deeper about that so she'll know on the next date that you actually was listening or you just even have a text message you know and uh send her an article about something that she mentioned you know what i'm saying so it's like a give and take relationship but even if the shit don't work out you know what i'm saying if the you know y'all just ain't meant to be if you taught her something dope and you showed her something dope and uh she will never forget you you know what i'm saying it's just like oh that ain't that's that dusty nigga i dated that one time or she'll think like oh that's that one you know this is such and such who, who told me about the dump truck and all this other shit i didn't know they hold that much and all this other shit so she'll never forget you she'll never forget what she taught you you know what I'm saying? So that's just, it's just something dope. You know, even if y'all, if you, like I said, I teach my wife different things and she breaks game down to me. And, um, you know, so even my uh, fellas out there who are in long-term relationships, just keep it interesting. You know, uh, conversation is everything. Conversation rules the nation, you know, and it rules your household too. So just always, always stay learning and uh, become an expert in something. You know, so you'll always be interesting. So it won't be no flat ass dates or just a bunch of going through the motions, conversations. If you if you're with uh, someone long term, y'all living together and it's just the same old thing. I was work. It was fine. You know, what's for dinner? This is for dinner. And then y'all eating and y'all ain't talking about shit. You know what I'm saying? So keep it interesting. Be smooth. Be energetic. Be enthusiastic. I know they go hand in hand, but, you know, just be about that life. Right, so nothing but love and respect for my young boys out there and for the OGs out there. You know, you gotta keep that flame going. But I will catch y'all next week with another G Code lesson. Right, one.